The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. You are listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast, where food and sports clash at the goal line. Here are your hosts, Spencer and Michael. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast. I'm your host, Spencer, joined by Michael. Hello, everybody. How are you doing over there? Man, we're doing good. Started working back in the office this week. Been it had been um, uh, two and a half months working from home. Wow! <laughs> so um, blessed. Hashtag blessed. Have a, a job still. Still have. Oh all, yes. All my hours for now. Um, but yeah, I was working from home. Started the week of spring break, which was you know middle of March, and then here we are. Post Memorial Day. I think spring break was what two, three years ago? It's about what it feels like. <laughs> yeah, give or take. Give or take a couple of months. So how how has the McDonald House fared we're, through all this? We're we're doing all right. We're hanging in there. Uh you know, we, we incorporated mom back into the the ISO family this month, so that's been really nice. And uh We've recently started to branch out just slightly. Allison and I did go have lunch somewhere at town in town on Memorial Day. Nice. It was us and like three other tables at the time. <laughs> yeah, we have yet to go into a restaurant. And I don't yes, know if we're going to be doing that, but yeah, I mean, we were conflicted on it and just were like, okay, let's let's just let's just do it. Evelyn was over at mom's, and um, it was fantastic. We had draft beer pizza and wings oh that sounds fantastic pizza we went to and ike's wings? i don't know why i'm not saying where we went we went to ike's uh, sports bar here in town is that the and woodhouse what, what do they call it ike's ike's uh no it that you almost wood fire grill i think it's ike's wood fire grill free advertising yes ike's wood fire grill yeah and it's owned by the same people that have teddy jacks i believe and they took over the old Campisi's location. That's right. Yep, that's where Ike's is. And still, so, so we, went, we went there. So strange to think that Lubbock had a Campisi's because it was a restaurant I grew up eating at in Dallas. And it wasn't a chain. It was, they had two locations, but it was a family-owned restaurant. And then they opened a restaurant in Lubbock and closed it like a year later. Yeah, I had never heard of it until it was opened and... Uh, my friend Chad, he had he grew up in the Dallas area, and he was really excited about it, and was pumped, and was telling me all about it. And I thought, mm-hmm. okay, well, I'm going to get excited too, and it was really good. I just, you know, I wish it would have lasted longer than it did. <laughs> Chad, I, I would assume he was really excited because it was right across from the str- from the station. <laughs> yeah, that's not bad. <laughs> I'm either. going to lunch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, imagine something, you know, something you grew up eating in your hometown, basically moving across the street. That's not bad. Yeah. 
Um, I, I, I was going to say something else about my experience with uh, Campisi's, but I it just blinked. I blinked on it. It's good stuff. Was. It's too bad. <laughs> too bad. You can come back to it. R.I.P. Uh, you can follow the show at 23 personnel on the Twitter. You can follow me, Spencer at punts suck Two S's there in the middle and Michael at Michael underscore LBK. You can also find us on Instagram. It's at 23 personnel podcast. Um, you can also find 23 personnel t-shirts and hoodies on our Teespring store. So it's type in 23 personnel podcast on teespring.com. Um, Michael and I do have our shirts. We ordered a couple. We do have that one person that did place an order. So they're now three 23 personnel shirts floating yeah, around. Yeah, out in the wild. Out in the wild. Michael and I ran into each other uh, a couple weekends ago. I was dropping something off to one of his neighbors, and he was outside. He was wearing his 20, 23 personnel T-shirt. I was wearing my 23 personnel T-shirt. It was, uh, it was quite the reunion. Yeah, it was basically like that Spider-Man meme that you see on on the Twitter. Yeah. Where you're pointing back to each other. The the two the two Spider Men's like you 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 me me you, you you oh my gosh. Yeah. You or me. I do like yours better. And I don't I don't want to knock Teespring or anything. Well it, it was it was the design that I uploaded. So it's if, if you're oh, knocking it's me. Which is well, fun. No 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 the the design is great. The logo's great. But we went we both went with black t-shirts. I went with the red logo and the red text and you went with white logo and white text. And I think the black shirt with the white turned out much better. I, I think if the red ink had been brighter, it would have worked yeah. out, but I, I, it, it seemed like the ink was pretty thin. So a lot of the black shirt showed through the ink. So it was a fairly dark red on black. I've realized that's kind of my go-to because when I, the last steak in the plane shirt I ordered, I did the same thing. I had a black shirt with a with red steak in the planes across the front. So maybe it's me. I mean, maybe everything looks better digitally. And then I get it and go, Oh, I can barely see that. And then I probably shouldn't do that again. And then yeah, next thing. Oh man, black with red letters. Let's get it. Let's yeah. go for it. It's going to be great. But we've got all kinds of options up on the Teespring store shirt colors. There's a uh, white, there are two, grays there's a light gray and like a medium darker gray i think there may be like there may be three grays or maybe like a dark heather charcoal type gray and there's a black and then we have three logo options white red or black and i paired them mixed them to make sure that they were all visible so it wasn't a white logo on a white shirt or a black logo on a black shirt but basically any color combination you could you would want on the store you order a t-shirt helps us out just a little bit yeah speaking of helping us out michael i'd like to take a second to shout out the network that helps distribute our show armchair media yeah uh guys i mean we don't talk about armchair every time but they are a collection of i think it's over 50 podcasts including ours obviously and their goal is to try to localize the sports world a bit Uh, we've been with them since october this past year and we have enjoyed growing our audience with theirs. Yep. And some exciting news coming on the horizon starting June 1st. Bet Online will serve as a title sponsor for Armchair as well as our show. This will open up the possibilities to develop more merchandise lines because we've already got one, but it could 
help develop some more, as well as potentially host live events once we return to a semblance of normalcy. Uh, normalcy. That's such an interesting concept. Uh, New normal. Yeah. Um, in addition to Bet Online, Armchair is now the host network for the world's largest skateboarding podcast, The Nine Club. Uh, this is a podcast hosted by professional skaters, Chris Roberts and Kelly Hart. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. And they talk every week with the biggest names in skating, and they are on social media at The Nine Club, and that's nine spelt out in I-N-E. As if there's another way to spell it. I don't know. I just wanted well, to make sure you didn't type the number nine. Yeah. To see more, you, all you have to do is search Armchair Media wherever you go to get your podcast. You can check, out, check us out on the Armchair Media website, which is armchairmedianetwork.com, and any of their social channels tagged at Armchair Media. You can find those, at least the Armchair um Social handles linked in our Twitter bio, as well as Bet Online. So, guys, Armchair Media, those who can do, those who can't, hashtag take a seat. That's me, man. I'm all about taking a seat. There's, there's no way I'm gonna try out for the football team this spring. I, I try to talk myself into it every year or this fall, but uh, <laughs> just not gonna be able to do it this year. All right, well, let's get into basketball. Here comes Stevenson. Spins.
All right, so we're going to talk a little bit of college basketball. Um, we're also going to do a little baseball, football, and then your questions. First up, though, um, some sad news. And the Sutton family patriarch, Eddie Sutton, passed away um, just a few days ago, May 23rd. It was 83, or sorry, 84. Um, recently announced as a member of the Basketball Hall of Fame back in April. Um, if that name sounds familiar, he was a longtime coach at Oklahoma State. Uh, and then he has a son, Sean, who is an advisor to the head coach, is his title uh, on the Texas Tech staff. And then he has, I feel like, two brothers that are also in college basketball coaching, maybe just one. But the Sutton family, big college basketball coaching family, sad to hear of Eddie's passing. Yeah, he um, he was at Oklahoma State for I think twenty six seasons. Coached for thirty seven overall. Uh, a very nice number for those of you in Lubbock. He ended up with eight hundred eight hundred six eight hundred and six <laughs> wins. So that's a, that's a nice little nod out here to West Texas. I'm sure that was not intentional, but uh, you know something that caught my eye earlier this week was after it was announced that that he had passed away. Seth remembered a, um, oh, I don't know, an act of, of, of kindness, really, or just kind of acknowledgement that Coach Beard did last season in Stillwater. And the, the entire team wore special warm-up shirts um, honoring Cowboys coach and legend. And it says Hall of Fame on the front and Coach Sutton on the back. And also had 806 on there, which was kind of appropriate for a couple of reasons. Mm -hmm. But the main reason he did that was to draw attention to the fact that Sutton was not in the Basketball Hall of Fame just yet. Um, And he kind of made a plea for that. And I think he was even asked about it. So it's not like he just all of a sudden started talking about it at a press conference. But I thought that was really interesting. And, And Beard even went into the fact that you know Sutton always made a point to talk to opposing assistant coaches and that wasn't a thing that was done very often especially back then you know the head coach may not say hardly anything to opposing assistant coaches but Sutton always made a point to uh he allowed his guys to 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 come down there whenever they wanted I think when he was at Seminole State so they got to attend games or uh, practice or whatever they wanted to do in Stillwater. So, I mean, Beard obviously has a, has a connection to the Sutton family and it was, it was neat to see him, um, you know, advocate for him a little bit last season. And who knows, maybe that kind of helped push Sutton into the hall of fame. So at least, at least Sutton found out, um, he was nominated or accepted into it in t- April Mm-hmm. I think the induction ceremony is August, so he obviously will not be able to take part in that. But at least he knew that he was he was uh, a finalist and was going to make it in. Yeah, and I I think that uh, Coach Eddie Sutton was recognized on court before the Texas Tech game when Texas Tech was up in Stillwater this spring. That would have been back in early February. I feel like there was a, a thing where I saw, I mean, it, it may have just been like they, they were posing like a family 
photo or whatever to have Eddie Sutton and Sean and I think I think there's somebody else, one of the other brothers there. Anyways, um, we've got some some several player updates from the Texas Tech roster. Oh my roster. gosh! Oh my gosh! It's crazy. I I can't keep up with it. I'm, I don't I don't know how Chris oof. Beard does it. And I I made the joke earlier that um it may come to a point where Chris Beard starts turning the commitment list. Those that have already signed <laughs> um, just with all the guys that are, are coming and going. Um, one, mo- I guess most recently, no, not most recently, excuse me. Um, this week though, senior to be Davide Moretti accepted and signed uh, an offer to play professionally in the Italian league uh, for Olympia Milano. This is something that we kind of heard uh, was a possibility starting really early in the spring when everything kind of shut down and he went home for a little while. Um, we were kind of saying, hey, you know, Moretti might not come back to the States. And he ended up not. Uh, he was offered and accepted a two-year deal with an option for a third year by the Olympia Milano. This was back uh, about a week ago now, a week and a half ago. So... That opens up a roster spot, I believe. Um, I believe even with the announcement of the transfer today, you're at 12 scholarships. Yes, I, I think that's correct. Which is crazy to think like you like after all this, you still have one more spot to fill. And that's, um, this is all assuming that Benson's no longer going to be a, on scholarship. And this is also assuming that... Uh, Jamarius Burton is on scholarship, even though he won't be eligible. It, I don't think Beard would do that, but it's possible Burton may not be on scholarship just because we haven't heard confirmation one way or the other. Um, one guy that's not on scholarship, Jamarius Ramsey, who I stumbled over saying Jamarius Burton's name. Um, he, you know, like a few weeks ago, obviously, um, declared his intentions to enter the NBA draft. Um, I don't believe he's signed with an agent or anything. So no, technically still possible. He could come back to Texas tech, but he's, uh, if you look at the mock drafts slated to go in the first round, um, this one from CBS has him going, uh, number 20 overall to the bucks. Yeah. After a trade with Indiana, which, of course, most Red Raiders would really like to see that, to see a Culver-Ramsey duo that we never got to see. Um, or no, wait. No, because no, uh, Culver's with the, with the Timberwolves, didn't he? T-Wolves up in Minnesota. Man, okay. This is, this is how So I'm, he'd be up there with uh, Jonas. Yes, okay. This is how I've... Every, ever since that the... I think that was an expansion team years ago. Uh, Where did Toronto go? Well, Toronto still has the Raptors. Oh, that's right. <laughs> but I think the 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 Bucks are an expansion team because the Lakers used to be in Milwaukee and they moved to L.A. I mean, many many years ago. And then I think the Bucks are an expansion team and possibly the Timberwolves are an expansion team. But anyway, no matter what, 
since I was an NBA fan in like the early 90s or the mid 90s or whenever that all happened, especially when Kevin Garnett started getting popular, I got the Bucks and the Timberwolves confused. <laughs> always will, always have, and I apologize to everyone. But <laughs> that's just been a struggle with me for I don't I don't know going on. 30 years now probably getting those two teams confused so speaking of the nba have you kept up with their uh their season resumption plans planning a little bit uh only through my friend adam he's told me a little bit about the fact that they may continue at the uh disney worldwide sports yeah so complex or something one i'm I'm not a huge nba fan I'm, i'm a mavs fan but only distantly um but yeah, so I, I've heard that they would kind of bring everybody into one place and and kind of play all play out the rest of the season, the playoffs there in Orlando. Um, heard things like, well, I, I I heard them trying to figure out what to do with the playoffs. Like, are, are they going to reseed? Are they going to have you know the teams play in or have like a mini tournament to determine all that kind of stuff? It, it was strange, but I also heard they say. Hey, the NHL just kind of announced their plans for seeding and all that kind of stuff that the the top four uh, at the time that the season was um, postponed would, re- would remain. And then five through 12 would have a tournament for those last four spots or whatever it is. Maybe it's not 12, but... Anyways, it was, it was a weird spot. Like you will have a little bit of both, like the top four seeds will, will remain the top four and then everybody else will kind of, um, duke it out for those last four spots. Not hmm. sure how that would all work out. I did hear, um, somebody was saying, you know, I don't know if the league would want that because of Dallas. I don't know why, why Dallas would have such a big pool. Um, cause they're not like, I mean, they weren't like the number one seed in the West this year. Anyways, oh, I, I got. I don't, I don't know I, if you were keeping up with all that kind of stuff. No, not not too much because I I don't want to get my hopes up too too much, honestly. Because I would love to see some some basketball. I, my NBA fanage has kind of come and gone, depending on how well the Spurs are doing. And I got spoiled to the Spurs doing well for 20 years, and then all of a sudden they're kind of not. So I've kind of dropped out a little bit. I'm not as in touch Spurs. with it as I have been. Yeah, Spurs and, and, and Golden State are way down there, like teams you wouldn't have expected to be that low. Um, well, Golden State, I think Curry got hurt early in the year, and, and um, they just basically tanked after that. Gosh, what, what what's his name? The guy from Texas. Durant? Durant, yeah. He, he didn't play at all this year because of his Achilles last season. Well, he's he's not on the Warriors anymore. He's on the Nets. He's in Brooklyn with Kyrie oh, Irving. Well, look at that. Look, look how much I know. Um, yeah, so Dallas was the seventh seed in the West. Uh, and this is through 67 games. They hadn't, you know, they were about 20 games short of a full season. Um, Memphis was at eight. But then, like teams like New Orleans, I think were thinking they had a shot to to claw back into playoff contention. They they're currently were tenth um, in the West. They had the Lakers, Clippers, Denver, Utah would would have been the top four. Then the Thunder, the Rockets, Mavs, and the Grizzlies. 
in terms of the West, which I think is interesting that Memphis is in the West. Yeah. When the Western conference, like it's a very good point, which and, and it, it's really funny to look at like how Dallas is kind of broken up. And we had this conversation last time we were talking about reorganizing like the NFL conferences. But if you look at all the other professional sports, um, and see where they put Dallas. So in hockey and basketball, Dallas is both in the West and football. It's in the East <laughs> baseball. It's in the West. Um, it's like, it's, it's, it's not central. It's not South. It's either East or West. And we're not really either. Well, and I, I think the way that they've got the, um, the divisions set up, it makes a lot more sense too because they are in the Southwest Division, along with the Spurs, uh, the Pelicans, and the Rockets. So it's a very regional. I mean, they do a good job with the divisions in the NBA for the most part. So it's you've got Houston, Dallas, Memphis, New Orleans, and San Antonio. That's that's great. That's a yeah, great group of teams to play each other. And despite the Texans being in the AFC, that would also be a really fascinating NFL alignment minus San Antonio since they don't have a a professional football team, but maybe you throw in like Atlanta or something, you know, like a Dallas Houston, New Orleans, Atlanta division, dude, I'm on board for that. Forget Carolina. (laughs) Let's get the Texans in there. Well, now you're crossing the streams because you know, Houston's no, I know, I know in in the NFL. That's a whole different. Oh, I wanted to go back and I think I completely biffed my Lakers reference. They came from, um, they came from Indianapolis. So I think they, I think I said they came from Milwaukee, but that doesn't make sense because that's Wisconsin. I don't even know what I said, but I swear they came from, they're, they're they're from up there. (laughs) So the, the thing about like professional teams and organizations moving, um, it feels like there, there was a, there was a large group of things that kind of shifted early on in my uh, fanhood, like the Texans coming over from Tennessee. Um, no, sorry. The Oops. Titans Oilers going to Tennessee and then the Texans starting up in his expansion. Um, let's see who else like the Expos getting shut down. Um, Jacksonville. Jacksonville starting up, but then also like, well, there there was that. And then like, like it was quiet for a while. And then the past few years, we've seen it kind of strike back up again where Oakland moved to the the Raiders moved to LA and then now to Las Vegas, which is going to be crazy when that starts up. Um, the NHL team that moved out to Las Vegas, the Rams, the Rams moved, yeah, from St. Louis to L.A. Back, back to L.A. Back yeah. to L.A. Uh, the Chargers are in San Diego, LA, right? Maybe they, they moved up to L.A. too. They did. I'm pretty sure they're the L.A. Chargers now. They're no longer San Diego. Oh, yeah. Anyways, not that that really pertains to Jemias Ramsey going 20th overall to the Bucks, but <laughs> yeah, nice little 10 minute tangent there. Um, yeah. And then I think mean, we have a, a couple of other transfers to, to mention and talk about, um, forward Andre Savrasov entered the transfer portal. That would have been probably right around the last time that we recorded. 
um, yeah, you've gotten the notes on the 14th, one day after we last recorded. So it's been a while. Um, he's since committed and joined a team, Georgia Southern, um, going reuniting with Brian Berg, who of course was on the Texas tech staff with Saversoff. Um, hopefully we'll see him eat up a lot of minutes out there for, I'm thinking of the Jaguars, but that's Alabama Southern. Oh gosh, I wouldn't know where to. We're South wouldn't know where to start. Georgia Southern. Anyways, so Saversov's moving on. Eagles. Eagles. Yeah, I wouldn't have gotten that. And then Big Russ uh, is going to South Florida USF. Um, I don't think we touched that on our last episode because it was the week before, back on May the eighth, going to South Florida. Yeah, I, is, I think we somehow missed that. We knew he was transferring, but I don't. I don't think we said where he was going because he made that announcement and then he I think he found it that team pretty quickly is South Florida the team that had that uh really tall player from like Africa a couple years ago Taco Falls Taco Fall yeah I think that was Central Florida or I (laughs) I added an S to his name sorry Taco Taco Fall Taco Fall Central Florida you're right those Florida because they were they were the Knights they they were Black and gold. Yeah, I remember that much. UCF, right there in Orlando, which UCF has like a ridiculously large student population. I think they're pushing like fifty or sixty thousand. Wow, which is bigger than all of the Texas schools. Anyways, um, so yeah, Big Russ headed to USF. That's kind of how we got to our transfer numbers or scholarship numbers with Murdy and Ramsey heading out Savrasov and Russ, sorry, Murdy and Ramsey heading professional Savrasov and Chewa heading to other colleges. You've opened up uh, those four spots. Of course, some of those were going to be taken um, from the guys that were coming in and the, the recruiting class, but also as of today, the 27th, you picked up another transfer. Uh, Georgetown guard, sophomore Mac McClung announced his commitment to the Red Raiders. He's a little bit of a yeah, spark pretty, plug. Pretty big news. Pretty big news. He's um, He's got some hops on him. He's about 6'2 or so. Great ball handler. Can create his own shot. Uh, he's, he's athletic the, around the rim. Yes. I mean, the, the only downside with this is could be looking at another in Tomboy situation. He would have to apply for a waiver in order to not sit out this season. And I am so burnt out and hacked off at the waiver system that I'm, I'm not sure I'm going to believe that that's going to come through. Yeah. And the other thing, um, that we had some questions on this morning before he announced his commitment was would beard commit a second scholarship to a player that possibly wasn't going to be eligible this year. You've already got Jamarius Burton who's waiting on a waiver application. Now you've got, um, Mac McClung, um, Burton and McClung, I think are, are in similar situations where it wasn't a coach leaving. They're not grad transfers. So the likelihood of their waivers being granted fairly low, I would think. Um, but McClung would help out with the depth in the guard position. 
If you look at Moretti leaving, what you have left is Kyler Edwards, who we'd all would assume would, would be the next man up, be the leader of the team, the point guard. Um, and then kind of depends on where you slate uh, Kevin McCullough, if he's a forward or a guard, and then Clarence Nadolny. Um, and then now today you're going to add McClung, but he may not be eligible to participate with this team. Scroll down just a little bit. Namari Burnett is another guy that I, I failed to mention. He, he's the high school guy coming in. And then Avery Benson. Yep. Those so are those are your guards. You, you've got a handful of guards, but now like you've got a true freshman coming in, and then you've got two transfers that may not be available. So truly who you would have available would be Kyler Edwards, Kevin McCullough, Clarence Nadolny, Avery Benson. And now, possibly, Namar, not Namari Burnett, um, Jamarius Burton and Mac McClung. Um, yeah, and then you still have a roster spot available. I think everybody's looking at uh, Jonathan Kaminga taking that spot. Everybody's hoping for Kaminga to take that spot. Yeah. As the number one recruit in the 2021 class, uh, possibly could be reclassifying into the 2020 class to move up into college this year. Um, I think the last I heard, it was basically down to Texas Tech or the G League. Um, he would be eligible to join the G League and go professional um, and play their year before heading up into the NBA. Um, other finalist schools were Duke. Auburn and Kentucky and they still may be in the running um, if he's considering to, if he's considering college but uh, also remember that Kaminga is the half brother of Texas Tech forward Joel and Tomboy so there's a family connection there to get them back together um, Kuminga is one of a, I saw it's one of a very small number of players in the recruiting rankings history to ever get a perfect score and the the players included in that uh, were like LeBron James had one. It's a guy that played for Duke a couple of years ago that got one. Here, let me go back and look real quick. Yeah, it was just a handful. It was a small, uh, small handful. Yeah. So being able to land a guy like this would be incredible, but he's had so many options, and I wouldn't blame him for taking any of them. <laughs> we'll just have to see where that lands. Yeah, it's it's just crazy that not only is he the number one recruit, but like just the to get that perfect rating um, and to have that just to be in that small group of of players that had ever been in that um, to have that whatever you want to call it designation, right does not happen very often no so Jonathan Kaminga I'm still waiting to hear on him whether he's going to reclassify into the 2020 class Um, and what that means is he going to go professional into the G League or head to college Um, but currently Chris Beard Texas Tech has a roster spot available Um. But Kaminga is not the only guy that Chris Beard is pursuing. This this man, I don't. 
he must look at the roster and be like, all right, who's who? It's it's like when they when they were doing the um the onside kick in Waterboy, and the kicker was like, who's it gonna be? Who's it gonna be? <laughs> um, and not that Chris Beard is looking to to send guys away from the roster, but he's looking at guys. Who else can he add to bring even more talent and experience? Um, to Texas Tech. Well, and I, w- I wonder too if if he's just bored. <laughs> yeah, I mean he he's been recruiting now for three months, whereas you know he would have only been done you know six weeks ago, maybe. Yeah, yeah. So maybe he's just he's got nothing else to to do. So he just figured, well, I'll just I'll just recruit. I'll just keep recruiting. We'll just keep turning the roster and turning people over and. You know, next thing you know, I'll have signed 17 guys and let 17 go and <laughs> or whatever it ends up being. Yeah, this, I mean, speaking of it, there's a couple more still on the on the wire here, um, including A.J. Walker from Air Force. I, th- I haven't seen much about that in the last week or so, but that kind of emerged. Tech emerged as a contender for him. Um Help me not butcher this name because it's totally one I would butcher. But both Gak, is that how you say his name? I think it's, it's Gatch. Not both, is it? Gatch isn't. It's probably like Both or something, isn't it? I you know I couldn't I couldn't tell you for sure. But he's a guard out of Utah. That's right. And then uh, just today, uh, St. John's transfer L.J. Figueroa Figueroa Figueroa. Oh God. I'm not a I'm not a professional people y'all can tell that but he is uh he's a guard who's also been contacted by tech and I mean that was that was just today after Mac McClung signed um he's he's a junior who has averaged 14 and a half points four and a half rebounds and two assists in this last shortened season so he would be a sought after recruit as well and there's already a connection there with st john's mm-hmm. that's where um, success of Odia- uh, oh my god Odia- to tariq owens tariq owens yeah so sorry I, really quickly going back to kaminga for a second the so he's a recipient of the highly coveted 24 7 perfect score uh, since they started doing those rankings in 2003 the only other recipients of the perfect scores have been lebron james dwight howard greg odin Andrew Wiggins and RJ Barrett. Pretty good company. Yeah. I'd start to take him. And then he, he released his top five, uh, five days ago now, but it was Duke, Kentucky, Auburn, Texas tech or the G league. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. His top five included a professional league, (laughs) which is not bad options. No. Um, and then Chris Beard got the 2021 recruiting class uh, going off with a bang. Forward Jalen Tyson committed to Texas Tech. Uh, let's see, when was this? this was last week? The 19th. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was the 19th. 6 6 forward um, out of John Paul II High School in Plano. Four star guy out of, from Rivals 247. Um, ESPN doesn't have a ranking on him yet, but four-star forward six six one ninety five. so that kind of swing 
large guard, small forward type player. Had offers from Houston, Oklahoma, SMU, TCU, Creighton, Oral Roberts, Richmond, A&M, Xavier, and Arkansas. I'm willing to bet Coach John Riley could turn that 195 to a 225 pretty darn quick. Yeah. The, so, uh, I don't know if you saw or not, he tweeted out. Um, he didn't tag anybody specifically. He said, I can't wait to get my hands on these guys. And I, I think it was right after the McClung uh, announced his commitment. Talking about all the new guys that are coming in. is like, I, I, I can't wait to start working with these guys and bulking them up. Yeah, he's very good at his job. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I also don't know if you saw this. He he's been doing like at home workout videos too. Where he's like, okay, for, for those that want to follow along, here's a six day cardio sprint, whatever you want to call it, small <laughs> workout series. Death, <laughs> hell. Anyway, so yeah, lots lots of roster churning updates. Chris Beard grinding blue collars as as. Everybody likes to say Moretti, Ramsey, professional into the pro- professional ranks, Savrasov and Russ to other colleges. And then you've got the recruiting class that have come in. Mac McClung announced his commitment to transfer. You're still in and they're running for the guys that um, Michael said, AJ Walker, both Gak, Gatch and LJ Figueroa still waiting to see what happens with Jonathan Kaminga. And then we had that, uh, 2021 commitment as well. Jalen Tyson. Is there anything else I missed? I I don't think so. That's, that's a lot to, a lot of basketball to talk about uh, for a season that ended two months ago. Yeah. Well, this, uh, recruiting cycle for beard truly never, never in it. Never, never, never stops. Yeah. All right. With that, let's uh, let's jump over to baseball. Left field, well struck. Desloni picks it up on a bounce. He's racing for second throw. Out in second. Young lifts it to right field, looking for a second home run, and he's got it into his own bullpen. Reps and some time because all the teams are there. So really quickly, um, besides being sad that uh, we would have been wrapping up the Big 12 tournament and looking forward to Selection Sunday for the regionals and postseason play, um, we did hear a mock draft, some, some, some stories coming out of the mock draft. Remember, the MLB is only going to have a five-round draft this year. Um, but within those five rounds, uh, Clayton Beater is being projected to go in the first round, 28th overall to the Yankees. Um, 
this little quote here before the coronavirus pandemic ended the college baseball season beater improved his draft status in four starts he was two and one with a 2.14 era 33 strikeouts to only four walks over 21 innings in his last outing beater struck out a career high 12 while allowing one run over six innings and a win over rice so in six innings he struck out 12 so he averaged two strikeouts an inning that's not bad. No. Um, yeah, we're we're still we're still interested to see how all that kind of shakes out with the rosters and um, when the MLB season might get up and going. Texas announced the state of Texas, not not the Rangers, announced they're going to open up for professional sports. Um, I guess the end of May, right? Was it May thirty first? They said they were going to open back up. Um, no, I think it's. June 15th. Middle of June. Um, I know that Florida has something similar. Arizona has said something, so said something similar. Uh, depending on how other states fall, you you may get like a NBA style where they, they kind of go to host cities and play seasons out that way. Um, really interested to see how that works. I assume if we're going to be playing baseball that most states would be open back up by then anyways. Um, yeah, the draft scheduled for normally uh, middle of June will be a little bit later this summer. Clayton Beater picked to go in the first round. So of the guys that could possibly potentially be returning um, Beater, if he's going the first round in an abbreviated five-round draft, you'd expect Beater to accept that and move on. Um, other news transfer leaving Texas Tech that we mentioned a few weeks ago, TJ Rumfield did uh, announce a commitment to McLennan Community College, which is outside of Waco. Um, so as a sophomore or redshirt freshman, he'll drop down to the to, to JUCO um, to then be eligible to play this year, be re-recruited to go up back up to a, a four-year college university. Problem is kind of a risky move to drop down to Juco this time with all of the, the talent, the roster expansion. Um, you'd assume as a, as a sophomore, he'd be able to find a, a spot to come back up, but um, may, may prove to be difficult for him. Yeah. That's really going to be tough just to, f- <sighs> all these, every school is going to be so loaded. For the next year or two, um, and it's going to be tough to make room for for people that you haven't already made commitments to, and even then, that that's going to be tough. I, I wanted to ask you. I haven't seen anything about Tanner Tremba. Have you? I mean, I we we talked about him entering the portal a good while back, but I haven't seen him land anywhere. And and I did look at, look into it today, just curious, but I sure haven't seen anything. So I. I I wonder how well the transfer portal is going <laughs> for some of these guys, you know? Yeah. I'm, I really couldn't tell you. I, I haven't heard anything either. Um, the baseball transfer portal is a little more difficult to get your, you know, your, your wrap your head around in terms of who's in it. Um, let me see if I can find this real quick. But no, I I haven't heard specifically on um, 
if he had found somewhere or announced that he was going anywhere just yet. He was a guy that probably had the most experience transferring out. And we touched on having played something, something like 40 games in a Red Raider uniform. Um, no, I, I haven't seen anything. I haven't heard anything from uh, Dinger Derby either on that. What I did hear today, though, um, the our local Little League, the guy that's kind of overseeing our division, um, said, hey, we need to get some some numbers on who on like how many on your team would be coming to play in a season that started on June 15th. We're like our season starting on June 15th. Like it was like he, he kind of buried the lead. <laughs> it's like, oh hey, hey, we're we're gonna we're be playing baseball this summer. It was kind of the the assumption, but we just until this morning hadn't heard anything. Um, they don't have any updates or like projections on what a schedule would look like. I think because they need to figure out how many players are not going to be participating in a summer league that were in turn, you know, that has signed up to play in the spring. I reached out and asked all of our parents. Uh, we have 13 players on our team. Um, mm-hmm. We had five say no. They would not be oh. either not interested or not able to play over the summer. We had a couple more say maybe it depends on the schedule or hey, I already know I'm going to be out of town for this this week or two. So that would leave us with a maximum possible team of eight. Well, what are the options there? I, I guess are they gauging interest to possibly would would they drop down a a team or maybe two just to keep a smaller league going, or what would be the the plan well, there? So we we when we did the draft, I remember thinking, and we had this conversation in that room that this was the the largest pool of players in this division for this league ever. We had like 170 players and modified T-ball. So it's five and six year old in T-ball for this league, which is the Cooper little league. Um, so 170 T-ballers. Um, we have, I can't remember 12, 11 or 12 teams in the league. It sounds like most of them are going to have enough to, maintain and hold a team. There were a couple of my, my my team included that would be on the, I wouldn't say chopping block, but up for discussion if they were going to divide us out into other teams or or, or combine us with with another team. The problem with that is then we have to reorder uniforms for, that number of kids. It's not that big of a deal because we, we, we did, we printed locally, but still it's another expense on top of all the kids that want refunds and aren't playing or however they're going to handle that. Um, so I potentially could have eight players on my team up to eight could not be coaching <laughs> this summer. When we resume in a couple weeks, we're supposed to know a little bit more here next week. He said next week we have more, more details once we had more numbers from the teams and all that kind of stuff. Um, because some of the questions they're asking is like, well, are you going to try to condense the season since we're going to be playing over the summer to get it over with quicker? Are we can play multiple games like two, three, four games a week. Um, like, 
you know, we don't know yet. So anyways, wow. Little League resuming potentially in two weeks. Have no idea what it looks like. I would assume if we're going to be starting that soon, we're probably not going to be messing with ordering new jerseys, but we'll see. Or maybe they were just saying best case scenario if we don't have to re-divide out teams. Good times. Yeah, fun, fun, uncertain times. All right, Michael, let's go ahead and jump over and talk about some football. takes it at the 11. He's going to try to get to the right sideline, breaks the tackle. He's got running room at the 30, the 35-40. He's the midfield, the 45-40. He may go. 25, 10, touchdown Red Raiders. Davis Webb, the freshman, screen. Underneath Derek Moore, breaks the tackle, still running. Up the sideline, turns on the juice, touchdown. So Harold in the shotgun. From the 28, the throw goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. Oh, he oh, he's the worst. Red Raider, unbelievable. Red Raiders. Michael Crabtree has done it. Let the scoring begin. All right, so we, we did hear um, that schools will be welcoming athletes, college athletes, back on campus. Texas Tech specifically. Um, said that student athletes will be allowed back on campus uh, in stages or waves or whatever uh, starting June 15th. Um, I, I think what they were saying is I think the summer workouts and anytime that a player is going to be on campus uh, for team related activities would only be voluntary. Now I don't know what voluntary means. Like if the coach calls it, it's a voluntary meeting, but like your attendance is expected yeah, there there was a I would there was a so. lot of that. Yeah, I remember. I forget what the the deal was with that. I think there's some sort of NCAA or I remember in high school some sort of UIL rules that you can't do certain things for so many hours of the week or whatever it was. But there were some voluntary things that you were definitely expected to go do. So I'm I'm not sure what this means, but uh, yeah, it's it's exactly like you said, June fifteenth. Football players can voluntarily train and work out on campus. And then after that, uh, the remaining fall sports athletes can return July 1st. And then athletes in winter and spring sports have a target date of July 15th. Yeah. The Hoka did say he's confident and, um, what was the word he said? Sorry, I'm trying he to read ex- this. Really. He expects that the fall football season to take place. Let's yeah, we way. remain optimistic and will continue to plan for football this season. Did you see this? I didn't throw this in here, but this is kind of related. Iowa State is talking about only allowing season ticket holders into the football games. And I wonder if that's like a season ticket marketing ploy to just sell a bunch of season tickets. And then all of a sudden, oh in august no we're gonna have football we're gonna have normal football everybody come on out thanks for selling out season tickets though we appreciate it yeah so i saw that um that they were gonna do they were gonna 
sell 30,000 tickets. So, you know, about half of their stadium capacity. And then they had sold 22,000 season tickets. So basically saying, when we have football again, we'll only have 30,000 seats. 22,000 have already been spoken for. If you want one of these last 8,000, you better jump on it. Yeah. So I would agree. It kind of sounds like, I mean, maybe they're, they're just kind of ahead of the curve and planning for this kind of thing and saying, Hey, you know, if, if we're going to be playing fall sports, it'll be at a reduced capacity. Let's go ahead and figure out that, that kind of logistic stuff now, um, in the spring and summer, then try to scramble, you know, in August saying, Oh, Hey, by the way, we're going to have 30,000 people. Um, let's figure out what we're going to do with these other 8,000 seats. Right. <laughs> go ahead and announce, Hey, we're going to go ahead and put those on sale. Now, I, I don't know what that would look like if they're going to say, Hey, every other row, like, you know, the, the seats that are already sold, like you're going to have to relocate some of those people, you know, that pay for a, a specific seat. And like, distancing requires that we actually put you at the top of section 101 instead of the, or 201, whatever it is, instead of section, you know, you, you move up to the, the top section when you should have been in, in the bottom section. I almost wondered if it would be the opposite. Like if you bought season tickets, they gave you, they would give you just all the good seats. And so no one would be in the nosebleeds because they could space out people. You know, they've, I, I was just trying to think if, if they did something like that at the Jones if um okay they sold 30,000 tickets no you'd still have to spread them out yeah like i don't, I don't understand how that's going to work cuz then you have a party of ugh. yeah we'll so see, like see what kind of mess that turns into so like if 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 you and Keith held on to your season tickets from last year would they separate you two like or like a husband and wife or a family that has six Hey, you know, you're going to keep your six tickets, but you're going to run six different rows or you're going to be spread out across this one row. Or, or what if you have six tickets, they're always going to be all together, but then someone bought three tickets and they're going to be two seats away from you. Yeah. Then what do you do? Because you're breathing on someone basically and sitting directly in front of you the whole time. So they, would they have to alternate that as well? I mean, this just sounds like a. Just yeah, it, 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 it's something you'd have to have space. No way. <laughs> like you have to leave a seat. Like if if I'm in seat, whatever, they'd have to leave a seat open in front of me, behind me, and into both sides. <laughs> right. But to do that, though, like you got to think logistically, trying to figure out how to fit in thirty thousand seats in groups, but also maintaining the space that's required. it's a logistical nightmare. I don't know how they would work that out. You just can't do it, especially in the bleacher sections. I mean, how are they, you know, bleacher sections are just kind of, they're kind of no man's land anyway. Sometimes, you know, people just kind of squeeze and get wherever they want and make (laughs) it work. I wonder if they would just say, you know, just like, Hey, we're only going to sell 30,000 tickets or whatever. Once you get in and you have your assigned seat, like, if you want to jam in with other people, that's on you. But like you, your assigned seat, your sold seat is over here. If you want to move down and fill in the space, that's on you. 
because I'm sure that, you know, Texas Tech, their liability of having people in there, they have to say, no, you're, you're assigned, you know, your seat's over here. What you do after that is out of our control. Man, just what a, what a nightmare. But hopefully, hopefully we'll at least get to have some football, whether or not people are going to the games or not. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Um, speaking of football, though, 2020 tight end Jason Lloyd committed to Texas Tech last week. Yeah, uh, from what I can tell, let's see, you know, 6'4", 245. I think he is our 15th tight end recruit this offseason. Maybe. Is that right? Or maybe it's just 14th. He is a uh, junior college transfer out of the College of San Mateo. Um, Yeah, 6'4", 245. Had offers from Toledo, UCF, and UNLV. Um. This is a 2020 recruit, so he's coming in to this class that's coming on um, on campus this summer. Let's see. Yeah, I don't. I don't have it pulled up in front of me, but I, I think he's the second, at least the second uh, tight end recruit in this class, if not the third. I'm trying to I'm trying to find it too. Um, this is great podcast. We're so prepared. Yeah, we got this. We got this. Yeah, he's at least the second, if not the third, because uh, John Holcomb, who's from Wellington, just down the road, he signed back in, gosh, July of last year. So I know that we've we've signed a couple more since then just in the last few months, but they may have been 2021 commits or something. Yeah. Jed castles and Mason Tharp are, uh, 2021 guys. That, that's what it is. Yeah. So 2020, your roster would include, um, Travis Coons, Travis Coons, John Holcomb, um, the guy that redshirted this past season. This is, you know, if I had the Texas Tech football out, roster in front of, of me, it's too long, man. It's not our fault. It's not our fault, right? Not our fault. <laughs> is that what you just typed? Basically. That's what I'm going to get tattooed on my on my forehead. <laughs> if you don't make it, it's your own dang fault. <laughs> um. Gosh, who is that guy that that redshirted this year? What was it? So, Travis Coons is going to be a senior this year. Um, there was a player that high school player that came in with the last re- recruiting class that redshirted, and you guys are probably like, "It's this guy, you idiot." He was part of the 2019 class. Yeah. Connor Killian is listed as a tight end on the roster. Brother of Simon Gonzalez. Simon Gonzalez. There it is. You know, I thought we'd get there eventually. Also looking through the, um, the roster. I forgot. We've got some real like all name team candidates. Blue, blue Kaler. Dude's name is blue. Love it. Um, anyways, yes. So to your point, we have 
about 35 tight ends now on a team that had the occasional tight end every few years. Yeah, pretty pretty good. I mean, and that's that's what we were kind of expecting to see based off how much uh, Wells and company like to use the tight end. Dude, I'm so Supposedly. out of I'm so out of practice like talking football and thinking about football. I can't even I couldn't even tell you the offensive coordinator's name. That Yost. David <laughs> That's Yost. why I said Wells and Company because I couldn't think of Yost David. instantly, and I thought, okay, I've got to save this. Yeah, so I, I have a shirt with with David Yost on his face on it, and it just says Hair Raid, but it doesn't help me. Anyways, um, yeah, because he, you know, he he came in, it was like basically known for running twenty one personnel, or no, sorry, eleven personnel, ninety five percent of snaps, whatever. So one running back, one tight end. Well, if you're going to be committed, that committed to running a tight end, you probably need several on the roster. Um, and he's done that. He's built that roster depth in tight ends. Um, and then Luke Wells, who is the inside receiver, tight end coach, now has uh, a position group to coach. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is great. The other thing um, you've got pulled up here is there was a reporter news um release recently about money spent on recruiting across the conference. We've got uh, figures from eight schools. Of course, Baylor and TCU did not have to disclose their spending as private universities. Um, Willing to bet they still would have outspent Texas Tech. I I was surprised to see Texas Tech this low. And it would it doesn't make sense to me. Because you, yeah, I, you've got the money in, in, in the budget, I would assume, to spend more than $535,000, where the leader in the conference spent $1.8 million, more than three times what you did. Um, yeah, that's that stings. You're not in the middle of a fertile recruiting ground base or whatever. It's not like you you like you live in Houston. You don't have to go anywhere to recruit anybody. Um. So now I, I assume money spent on, on recruiting is going to be mostly travel related to bring kids and families into town or to get your coaching staff out and around, um, meals and entertainment, that, that kind of stuff. But you were seventh in the list of eight schools. Um, Texas led the way, like I said, at $1.8 million, Oklahoma, a little distant, second at 1.2 million my theory is that because oklahoma wins a lot more they get a six hundred thousand dollar discount just right there <laughs> their th- their value is a lot higher Pe- than in Texas. people come to them yeah. the <laughs> interesting are knocking at their door they don't have to go go to bfe as much yeah the interesting school up there at number three and i don't know if this was just oh if this is a new development because of the coaching staff, but Kansas is up there at number three. Oh my gosh. I couldn't believe when I saw that, but I, I wondered that too. I wanted, but that was, so it was part, it was published August of last year. So that was less had just, just barely gotten on. So it probably been, been there. This would have been be- probably before any of Wes less spending, less miles spending. So yeah, it's something we should determine for sure. Yeah, that is that is football recruiting. I mean, that's 
that's bizarre to me. Maybe it's just really expensive to fly to, you know, to Lawrence. One other team broke the million dollar mark in Iowa State. Um, Ouch. Again. About 70,000 less than Kansas. Oklahoma State came in at number five. Pretty big gap there between Iowa State and Oklahoma State. Um, Oklahoma State spent 715,000. West Virginia, 626. Texas Tech, 535. Kansas State, 509. You got any nuggets? I I got nothing. I mean, I think Kansas, (laughs) you know, one can argue that there's a lot of good high school players in Texas and Oklahoma already. And maybe Kansas doesn't have that luxury, but I still cannot explain how their football budget is more than double. Football recruiting budget is more than double Texas Tech's. Yeah, I mean, it was not high school talent. I know they have a lot of pretty well-known junior colleges in Kansas. They have the, the Jayhawk League or whatever, where you get lots of really good junior college guys in Kansas. So yeah, it's, it's one of those things that kind of shocked me too, to see that they spent more than twice what you did. Yeah. It stings a little bit. Texas and Oklahoma That's, being one well, and they two. Won. They beat tech this year. So there you go. Sorry. I, I interrupted you. Uh, <laughs> in case y'all forgot that, that that happened. So I, I don't know what, what inspired this, but I went back and watched the, the big 12 highlights of that game. And I was reminded that you had a 17 point lead. Oh yeah, yeah, in Lawrence. Yeah. Oh, I wanted to. Um, this is about football, so it's 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 still on topic. I wanted to ask if you have been watching any of the replays because I know that they replayed. I think we just happened to talk about it last week or last episode, the Inside Bowl in '06. I think they replayed that recently, and they are about to replay the 2015 Arkansas game. And I'm sorry, but I can just I just can't drum up any interest in watching like the one good game that Tech played all of 2015. Uh, was that a year that we went four and eight? Um, I think so. One of them. <laughs> one of them. Um, yeah. So no, I, I I have watched game highlights, but I I can't really watch a full game where I knows like hey we 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 weren't really any good uh you know what tech was seven and six that year okay that was that was mahomes um second year yeah that's not bad yeah yeah, because that's the year that we went to um, the bowl and houston the texas bowl against uh lsu and got stomped by leonard fournette 56 to 27. I think he ran for like 700 yards. That seems accurate. I'm not even going to dispute that. But that was was the big game, you know, that put – in 2015, it put Tech 3-0 on the season, winning in Arkansas, uh, especially meant a lot to Kingsbury after Burt said a lot of (laughs) – Burt. Rough things about Texas high school football or – yeah, that summer. The spread offense or whatever yeah. it was. So that was kind of personal for Cliff with his dad being a high school football coach and everything. So I, that may be part of the reason why it's getting some play because then right after that, 
you know, tech one on a four and <laughs> four and six run. It's not terrible. Mm, yeah, you're right. You know, we would have taken that this last year. <laughs> oh, if you just didn't lose to Kansas. So Kansas has like two conference wins the past decade. You're one of them. Just <laughs> us in Texas. <laughs> Texas, yeah. Just let that sink in. All right. Um, transfer news. Uh, Tejon Henry announced his intentions to transfer quite a while ago. Announced his commitment to the University of Houston last week. Yeah, I, I mean, that's where he's from. Makes sense. Makes Good luck sense. to him. He was he was a great running back here. I'm I'm unsure what what led him to go, but uh, he played very well as a Red Raider. Other guys that are in the transfer portal um, with Texas Tech ties, obviously Jet Duffy is on there probably not going to transfer anywhere meaningful um receiver slash tight end quentin williams is in the transfer portal heading out name does not sound familiar to me um tyler carr does sound familiar um he was a defensive lineman converted to fullback and then to tight end Uh, he's transferring to hawaii um, this guy probably looks like a walk-on. Uh, Caleb Durham Honer, also a wide receiver. Um, offensive lineman transferring in. Josh Berger coming from Wofford. It's a tackle out of... Oh, where's he from? Aurora, Ohio. Um... Defensive lineman Mark Brown is transferring out. Again, don't know if he was a walk-on or what. Out of Arlington Heights in Fort Worth. Oh, he was a guy that went to San Diego State and was transferring back to us. That's weird. Anyways, he's in the transfer portal. And then guys that are transferring into Texas Tech, obviously the linebacker from Michigan State, Brandon Randall. The linebacker from Utah State, Christian Laval. Uh, Braden Stringer, linebacker, is transferring out from Texas Tech, as is Cole Daggett. And then Jacob Morgenstern from Duke is coming in. And finally, Christian Taylor, safety, transferring, or in the transfer portal. Yeah. So, the only... Well, there are two regular con- contributors on that list, Jet Duffy and Tajon Henry. Uh, Jet Duffy was going to be out anyways. And then Henry was kind of the surprise um, going to Houston, which I think probably do him really well out there. Is there anything else on transfers that I've, I've missed? I don't think so. I think you got it, man. Okay. One more thing I want to touch on before we wrap up. Um, let's get in some play now because it's up for a vote. The NFL has proposed some new rules. One of them is a, an update to the onside kick rule, and it would basically eliminate the onside kick, but give the team that's trying to retain possession after a score the opportunity to convert a fourth and 15. 
Have you heard of this rule? This this proposed a change? little bit, yeah, yeah, I have. Okay, so what it, what it is is they basically would give the the team the ball at their own twenty five, and basically give them one down to pick up fifteen yards. So a fourth down type scenario. And it's their own twenty five, right? So, so they, they have seventy five to go, go yeah. the rest of the way. Um, if they convert then they they take over possession wherever that play gets to um the the fourth down play is untimed which helps if a team is down by two scores that they don't have to onside kick which would have normally taken time off the clock this one doesn't um if they fail to convert the defense takes over wherever they stop them so it's a much larger gamble because if you failed on an onside kick, the defense probably still had to go 50, 60 yards. You fail here, you you could be giving them a 25-yard field to score again. Well, it, I wondered, I mean, I've only seen kind of the gist of what the rule is. I haven't seen the reasoning behind it. Is it to make things more interesting or is it safer? Is it? I think it was the, because the onside kick is such a low probability of it being converted. They were giving the teams a better option or more likely option to convert and keep that going just because of how rare it is to kick and recover an onside kick. So how often would they be allowed to do that? So anytime they wanted (laughs) the rule, the, the, the article I read said they could do it only up to two times a game and only in regulation. Once it goes to overtime, you wouldn't be able to do this. Well, what if you, I mean, it it almost seems like you should limit it to the last two minutes or something in case someone wanted to get crazy. Yeah. Like, like the chiefs and just never kick the ball. (laughs) Just leave Mahomes on the field the whole day. Just, just just take your chance with Mahomes throwing the the, (laughs) converting on fourth and 15. And I, I don't have the stat in front of me, but I, I remember, uh, I think it was Rob Bro um, said that Pat Mahomes would love this new onside kick rule because of how successful he was on fourth and long type scenarios. And then it had some stats. I'm going to try to get back to it real quick. Why are you doing that? I, I tweeted this out recently and I've harped it on this prog on this podcast several times, but in 2016, the 2015, 2016 season, Texas tech was number one in the country on third down conversion percentage. And that is solely because of Pat Mahomes, uh, Texas tech converted 105 of 203 attempts for almost 52%. That's nuts. Yes. Number one in the country. So I found it says since 2018, Patrick Mahomes has been in 62 third and 11 plus situations, including in the playoffs. The chiefs and Patrick Mahomes have converted on an incredible 24%. So 15 of those 62 plays um, have been a conversion with Mahomes throwing four touchdowns on those plays. Oh my gosh. So you go from whatever the conversion rate is on an onside kick now to Mahomes who can do it 20, basically a quarter of the time. It's a huge leap up. Yeah. I'm sure an onside kick it's, it's gotta be more like a 
10% chance. If that, I would say. If, if you're lucky. And then, I, at least in college, there's always a bunch of controversy on an onside kick. Uh, you know, refs can miss something or, you know, who touched it? Did they touch it? You know, how, how can you tell? Or where did it go out of bounds? Did, did someone touch it before it went out of bounds? You know, the whole o, OU Kansas State thing. Oh, it seemed like a, two or three of those happened this last season, <laughs> at least in college. Yeah, so this is saying um, – sorry if my audio just got rolled out. Um, after the most recent rule change, the onside kick success rate dropped from 21% to 6%. Ooh. And so that rule change was would have been before the 2018 season. Oh, so, yeah. Man. Onside kick dropped down to six percent. Mahomes can con- convert four times as as many times as an onside kick when presented with a third and eleven plus. I'm sure the Chiefs will just never kick again. Well, except they can only do it twice a game. But they'll never be down enough where they have to onside kick, right? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It could happen. I'm going to go ahead and call it now. The Chiefs will be the next team to go 16-0 and then run through the, the playoffs undefeated. They're untouchable. 20-0. Here we go. <laughs> Bring it on. Um, would you like to see the same kind of thing brought down to college? I would if if they figure out how to do it where it's in the last two minutes or something like that. You don't think it'd just be free for all? They can do it whenever? Well, because college is more likely to take advantage of something like that. <laughs> you get like a Nick Saban or something that like never gives the ball back. Yeah, or a Lincoln Riley. Ugh. Okay. <laughs> it's that's, just like, you know scary. what? I'm going to go. <laughs> we're just going to do this every single time. And they'd probably have the talent to convert. Yeah. As frequently so no. or more so than. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, I, I think. I would almost even limit it to where you can only do it if you're losing and it's the last two minutes. Yeah. Cause it's true. Like if you were the, but here's like, I was gonna say if, if you're the team in the lead, if you go for, you know, this onside kick, potentially you just never give the possession back. However, if you don't convert, it's a really short field. Right. I mean, it's just like, Saban would in the national title game, you know, just busted out an onside kick out of freaking nowhere. But I don't, I don't know. That does make it interesting. I'm kind of, I'm kind of rethinking it. I just, I just don't want it to be used against us. (laughs) That's basically what I'm trying to figure out. The other thing I would like to see is, is this is going the other direction. I would like to see the NFL adopt a version or base their overtime rules off of what college does. Yeah. Somehow do it to where like, both teams are guaranteed. Like back possession. Up to like the 40 and say, you know, do the alternating stuff that college does, but back them up to the 40 or maybe, or maybe the, the other 40 or something like have them need to drive a significant amount more than just the 25 yards, but have it where right. both teams have a, an opportunity to score a touchdown or an opportunity to t- touch the ball. Right. But the, the only way that works in college is it's untimed and NFL is just so much 
they just seem to be so worried about sponsors and advertisers and trying to make sure everybody's happy. Well, they would just take a, a commercial break after every possession. They just have to do it wow. like, like how college does it. Yeah, I guess. But here's the thing. You you can't whine about wanting more sponsored TV time in a game that's already going long. Right, but if it's cutting into all these shows and stuff that they've been or promoting another, yeah. all day. <laughs> that's true. All right, so coming up on 911 tonight <laughs> on tonight's episode of The Simpsons on an hour and a half delay because we're on overtime six <laughs> of the Hawks Falcons game. Yeah. And I don't Hawks Falcons. That's not even a thing. Seahawks <laughs> Seahawks. Um, <laughs> I just named two Atlanta teams <laughs> of different sports playing each other. Yeah, well, it's been a long day because we were talking about the NBA realignment that I was calling for. Or not realignment, yes. but yeah, they're, they're <laughs> conference alignments. I knew what you meant. And how Dallas is a both Eastern and Western city, depending on the sport you play. It's true. All right. With that, we will get into questions. Now, are these really the questions that I was called here to answer? Who's in the box? Oh, what's in the box? I'm Ron Burgundy. Damn it. Who typed a question mark on the teleprompter? You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. All right. So question. This one, I guess, is a little um, self-serving. It comes from Michael. At Michael underscore LBK. He asks, did we watch the match this weekend? <laughs> yeah. Did you watch uh, Did you watch Tom Brady and Tiger Woods take on... Nope, that's not who it was. Peyton and Tiger. And Tom and Jack. Mm-hmm. Jack Nicholas? No. Not Jack Nicholas. Who is that? No. I can't think who's that name. Like, why am I blanking on it? Because it's 1030. It's not even that late. Hold on. I'll get it. Eventually. No, I, I didn't watch it. I did hear that it was the highest rated TV golf event ever. And they really, raised, they raised something like $20 million for charity. How did we, t- how did we forget Phil Mickelson? That's his name. Phil Mickelson. I see. I, it was the Nicholas part. Mickelson, Jack Nicholas. I knew, I knew it wasn't him because he's supremely old. Yeah. He's, is he still alive? Probably not. I don't know. That's, uh, let me see. Yeah, he's still going. He's 80. Okay. Jack Nicholas. Yeah, Phil Mickelson, Mickelson, Tom Brady versus Tiger Woods, Peyton Manning. Yeah, I, I didn't get to just sit and and watch it the whole time we were doing stuff and around the house. I had a I had a pork butt on the smoker, which turned out fabulous. That reminds me I have something to add to what we learned. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, we'll have a really good what we learned, but food related, of course. It was it was the first time that anything live had really interested me once everything got canceled. 
And so I just enjoyed looking up and watching it. And I also enjoyed following Eli Manning on Twitter, who seemed to <laughs> open a Twitter account solely for this to help raise money and and, now, um, what, and some what, other stuff and to talk trash, basically. I was about to say, uh, what, was he supporting his brother or was he saying or is he like tearing him down? <laughs> no, no, he was he was he, he would kind of rib his brother a little bit. But no, he was full on supporting. Oh, he shanked that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Shankopotamus. But uh, he had, I forget how he worded it. It was something like um, he never rooted for his, you know, against a quarterback or something unless they were playing against his brother or, the, or I forgot how he worded it. But anyway, that was kind of fun. But the whole thing was fun. You know, Charles Barkley was on the, uh, he was on the call and the call was interesting itself just because sometimes the golfers could hear the announcers like they were supposed to be able to sometimes they couldn't but they were mic'd up the entire time sometimes it would just be silent which was kind of fine i didn't feel like people needed to be filling the air it was i did it hear, was fine to just watch these guys walk around and figure out how they were going to putt or something i did hear so one the golfers were mic'd up and i heard a lot of positive reaction to that they, they enjoyed hearing their their thoughts i did hear that they had cameras on the golf carts and they enjoyed that too. Yes. Um, also, I did hear there was an exchange between the guy that was like the sideline reporter. I can't remember his name. Um, and he made a comment about, <laughs> he made some like side comment about Charles Barkley that I don't think he meant it to be on the broadcast. I think he thought his mic was turned off and Barkley's like, you can't say that on, on TV, man. And then apparently he went like dead silent for two or three holes. <laughs> um, it is, it I have to find the audio to, to share with you. Uh, but if you guys know what I'm talking about, one of the biggest things I think people are taking away from it is you can have entertaining sports content without fans there when you give them even more access, the stuff they wouldn't normally get. So like I'm thinking back to the XFL, this this past spring where you had That's, like yeah the the microphones and you got the the feed from the the coaches booths and their their headsets um you, you know, had it, McAfee interviewing a guy who just shanked a field goal <laughs> <laughs> hey man how do you feel about you know being interviewed by one of the best kickers ever having just screwed up a 20-yard field goal <laughs> um so yeah i I do think that piece of it is really interesting. And I, I, I would hope if, if we're going to have a reduced capacity or reduced attendance that we get, I wouldn't say compensation, but some kind of other added benefit to it. Like we get more access that we wouldn't have gotten otherwise. And I think golf kind of opened that door and said, Hey, it's, it's possible. You know, you don't typically see golf cart cams, you know, you don't have the golfers mic'd up. Um, it's also something that, that professional baseball does only in spring training where they'll have like, they'll have a player mic'd up and they'll be like having an interview with them while they're out in the field on defense. That and, guy running bases last year that I think, I don't remember <laughs> if you showed me the clip or what, or it was this, whenever it was, it was this spring, they, they, they did like Mookie Betts last spring. Um, it was funny cause like right in the middle of answering a question, there's like a line drive hit to him. He's like. Oh, that's me. That's me. And he like takes off running. Uh, oh, he hears like his necklace is jangling for a second. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> it's it's great. Um, 
so yeah, I, I, I think that kind of thing can be expanded because I think it, it's received really well. Um, and I don't know if it's like some of the players would be down for, you know, in, in terms of like regular season play, but from a fan standpoint, that sounds awesome. Yeah. I mean, it, if it doesn't interfere with coaching and I think professionals can get away with it, you know, college, I don't know about that. There's <laughs> probably like the, the opposing team is going to be like tuned into the broadcast and hearing them. But I think that, like it's so, it's so real time and the, the broadcast is probably on just just enough of a delay that even if like the opposing team was tuning in and heard their feed there wouldn't be enough time to do anything about it yeah but still yeah. it's like interesting that you know if there's a way like somebody would would take advantage of it what do we learn palmer i don't know sir i don't know either all right michael what did you learn Dude, I am. I'm still uh, diving headfirst into the Harry Potter world. I'm currently the reading the fifth book, which is the Order of the Phoenix. I've, I'm about halfway through it. Harry's just had detention from that awful, awful Umbridge lady. Hmm, yes, and um, I'm not enjoying her at all. They they cast her so well in the movie. I remember her. I, I I think I've talked about this, but I've seen the first probably two or three movies a few times, but then anything beyond that I've, I only saw once. And I remember her distinctly because I thought, gosh, she just seems so happily evil <laughs> or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I just still rem- – that's who I picture while I'm reading this going back through. So – not going back through. I've never read them before. I'm really enjoying the books. That's been great. I did finally start Ozark. I'm slowly working my way through. I can only really find time to watch two or three episodes a week. So I just like, finished episode four of this, season one. Okay. I was going to ask, uh, are you starting from the beginning or are you just talking about the latest season? No, no, no. I've, I've, this is my first time to watch it at all. So just getting going on it. It's pretty interesting. It seems very so far fetched. It does, but then it's <laughs> also like completely and totally far fetched. I need to know how Marty and his dumbass business partner somehow started. Spoiler alert! You find it out in the first episode, but laundering all this money for, for this the cartel, cartel in Chicago. I, I just I'm dying to find out how that happened. Hopefully, we'll I'll learn something on that because. I did enjoy the fact that it was already going on. They didn't try to copy Breaking Bad outright or anything like that because he was already into some really bad stuff. And the other thing, because it gets compared to Breaking Bad a lot, so I thought, man, I hope it's just not that similar. But one thing that I appreciate about it, man, sorry, spoiler again, but I'm only four episodes in, so whatever. But his entire family knows. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they completely know. I mean, it was just his wife and at first, and I don't know how long she's known, but she definitely knew. And then they told their kids within the first two or three episodes. So the whole entire family knows what they're doing, why they've moved, all of that. So that's an interesting aspect of it because that was a huge part of Breaking Bad was his wife didn't know for the longest time, and she never accepted it mm-hmm. or anything. And then... um I don't think Walt Jr. really knew till the very awful end. 
Yeah. The, um, the, the thing that got me was like just how deep it pulled you in and how intense it got like in episode one. Oh yeah. Cause it no wasn't kidding. like, like, like it, it wasn't this like slow intro and just like y- you dive in and we're seeing, you know, spoiler alert, like the cartel coming after Marty and his business partner and killing him and his dad. And yeah. Nuts. And then, you know, him, him going to confront his wife who's at her lover's apartment <laughs> yeah. and, and the dude falls, not falls, but, was obviously thrown off of his balcony 70 stories up and lands right in front of Marty on the street. You know, that yeah. this is episode one folks. And it, it, it definitely, that was what got me the most, you know, these, the others have been okay so far. There's some interesting characters. That's for sure. But who, who dang, you episode so one was really good. <laughs> Which characters have you met so far? Um, I've met the, the FBI guy. I can't remember his name. And then Ruth, of course, who steals the show anytime she's on the screen. And I remember her. She was a great actress in The Americans. She played a... Unfortunately, she was like a mark for one of the Soviet spies. And yeah, she it's really weird. She's like 16 or 17. The, her character was in that show. And then the Soviet spies, who's obviously... They're like in their 40s. She was... He was sent to um, get access to her dad's stuff because her dad worked somewhere. So this poor girl was put through the ringer by this like 40-year-old married guy. I mean, anyway, it's just a weird dynamic. But she was a great actress in it. So I was glad to see her in this. And yeah, she's every time she's on the screen, she just steals it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, just the, the people you meet once they move into, into Arkansas or Missouri. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, her and her whole family, they're interesting. Uh, yeah, the Langmores. Yeah. The, the strip club guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's not in it for very long, <laughs> but he made an impression. The, oh, I can't remember. Oh, of the his wife. His Wendy wife's Bird. good. I, I can't decide if I, if we're supposed to like her yet or not. She she didn't come off very sympathetic in the first episode, but as we keep going, it it, it it's you know kind of trending that direction, and you see why she could have, you know, how Marty was obviously completely consumed with his work and everything. And anyway, <laughs> it's it's just an interesting. Oh, the old man. The old man that they share the house with. Oh, yeah. <laughs> who always wander, waddles down to the dock buck naked uh, with, with just a towel covering his front side, thankfully. Yeah, yeah it's it's an interesting show. Um, I, I, I forgot how, how far it goes so quickly in, in, in season one. Because I remember I watched the first two seasons. And I'm just thinking back like, who who else you you get to meet? Anyways, I'm, I'll be interested to hear your your experience watching through this. Yeah, I'll, I'll update everybody because I'm finally on the Ozark train like three years later. <laughs> um, okay, so something I learned it's it happened to me today. I was today years old when this happened. There's a guy that here locally um, that posts in a Facebook group that started uh, back in March when all the 
coronavirus stuff shut everything down. I'm talking to, it's, it's a Facebook group of basically restaurant recommendations. Um, anyways, he, he started posting, he makes these, uh, Mexican street corn and brisket cups. So he, he oh. makes it, so it's, it's not the, it's typically served on the, like corn on the cob with the, the butter mayo. And then the, um, it's a certain kind of cheese. I don't cotilla. It's like a grated kind of dry. Cojito. Cojita. Yeah. Cojita, I think. Yeah. And then a chili pepper or sorry, a chili powder. So it's usually served on on the cob, right? With a big long stick. Anyways, he's serving it off the cob in a cup, but he's been at, he, he took it and was adding like chopped brisket on top. And it's like, dude, that looks and sounds really, really good. Well, those that are, you know, in the barbecue scene or in the know realize that beef prices lately have gone way, way up. And he's like, you know what? Along with the barbecue restaurants here in town, I'm not going to do brisket anymore. So he did pulled pork. And for some reason, like that got me today. So I went there today um, and got one. First off, this dude is doing it out of his apartment, <laughs> which is shady enough. Um, no, it's cool. Totally but he, cool. he posted the pictures of the pork butts that he smoked and they were, they were beautiful. It's like, Oh, that looks like, like it would look like it would be a really good pulled pork. Um, but I went there and I got it and it was probably contracted some incurable disease today. Worth it. Um, yeah, it, it definitely worth it. It was so, so good. It makes me want to, you were right. I should not have corrected you. Cotilla. One, it makes me want to figure out a recipe to do this myself, but also makes me want to go smoke a pork butt now. Just, just because. Man, uh, I am very impressed. That was probably one of the best ones I'd done the, this weekend. And we did it knowing that we were only going to eat sandwiches once and then use it for nachos until we decided to freeze what was left. So we've had nachos twice since then, and it's just been killer so pulled pork nachos that was one of the main reasons we <laughs> we made it we but put dude, a pork butt on the smoker pulled pork nachos I, I so the first time i had those it was at oh it's a bar on broadway i can't remember it's fuzzies they do like white queso pulled pork nachos and they yeah they do have white queso there i think so so good um that same year i found out this was the year i was working at visit lubbock the sports guys there uh, split a suite and that year I was going to the baseball games. They also had a pulled pork nacho dish. I was like, Oh, so good. <laughs> but yeah, pulled pork on nachos. Super good. Yeah, definitely. D- 10 for 10. Do recommend. Do recommend. Um, yeah. So the the, the guy that makes it, almost an hour ago said literally only have 10 cups left and there's six dollars each but there's it's a pretty good amount of food in in this cup of the mexican street corn and pulled pork it was so good (laughs) man that's awesome i mean that's hats off to him i think that's a good price to charge for it and it sounds like he's hopefully going to make a good chunk of money doing that i mean he's been doing it for a a while yeah he's been doing it for a while like Corn and the other greens are, are, are really cheap. Um, 
shifting to to pulled pork though probably like just increase his margins like tenfold because like i said oh yeah he, he was doing it with brisket and it, it's the same price as a brisket cup so you're paying more the, you know now in perspective but dang dude it was so good i mean i don't i'm sure it's more now than it was just because it's how things work but the pulled pork i did the other day i bought in march and it was barely two dollars a pound i think it was 199 a pound I'm sure it's probably more than that now, but it was a nine pound pork butt and it was $18. So yeah, that's a lot better than whatever the heck they're charging for brisket these days. Let me see if I can share this photo with you real quick. Oh, how are you sharing it? Oh, I'm just going to send it like Slack or something. Okay. Cause we're not friends on Facebook with this guy, so I can't like tag you in it. But anyways, I'll send it to you. Okay, I'm looking for it. <laughs> um, yeah, so learned Mexican street corn. It always looked good. I had it today. So good. I have to do yes. it with, with like a barbecue mix. Um, and I told Keith today that he should. So he, he's friends with the owners, founders of Evie Mays. It's like you need to, you need to talk to your boy to add this to, to the menu because one, corn is already a probably on a barbecue menu at least it should be they already have the meats there like you've got the ingredients to make it you just got to put together a little differently you you have to go get the you probably need to go get mayo although if you're doing a potato salad you probably have mayo oh yeah you you need to get the cheese and the chili powder but everything else should already be there just combine in a different way which is something else really interesting sorry sidetrack there was a there's a pizza place uh in the in my hometown that does a lasagna pizza and i'd never heard of one before but i was like you know what it makes sense for an italian restaurant to kind of repurpose ingredients for another dish they already have on hand like this place does make lasagna and they make pizzas just put the ingredients of lasagna onto a pizza minus the the noodles but they have like the mix the sauce the cheeses the ricotta cheese yeah oh it, 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 it makes a good pizza Anyways, (laughs) Anyways, <laughs> Michael, is there anything else we need to touch on before we wrap this one up? I don't think so. I just like that we kind of just dove back into our food pos- podcast roots here at the end. We have to. I hope everyone's doing all right out there. Pulled pork, Mexican street corn cups. Those locally, like I said, it, it, you have to look up the um, that restaurant recommendations group that... Um, Keith actually mentioned a couple weeks, a couple episodes ago. Uh, he posts in there often. Um, like I said, a little shady that he does out of, out of his apartment. It's fine. Like I said, I, I didn't get food poisoning. I'm, I'm still here near, nearly 12 hours later. And it I was, wonder, you know, I wonder if we could try to make our own with some of the pulled pork leftovers I have. Well, I'll, I'll have to. I have to see about that. Like I said, I I want to I want to do a pulled pork now just to do this, just to recreate it. Just go to Walmart's open. Yeah, and pork pulled pork is really cheap, or the pork butts, <laughs> like a dollar yeah, fifty a pound, basically. They they should be. We'll see if they if they skyrocket now that people are. <laughs> it's it's the alternative. Buying it instead of beef. Yeah, the, so the ribs I made this past weekend were a little bit more expensive, but they were also buy one get one. It's like I don't care. I'm getting oh, two okay. racks for fifteen dollars. Who cares? You come out ahead no matter what. Yeah. Anyways, all right. So 
I think that'll do it for us this week on the 23 Personnel Podcast. For Michael, I'm Spencer. We will catch you next time. Thank you for listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast and sharing our fandom for the Texas Tech Red Raiders. You can connect with us on Twitter at 23Personnel, Spencer at PuntSuck, and Michael at Michael underscore LBK. And find even more great content over on stakingtheplanes.com. Help us out by rating the show and leaving a review on iTunes and subscribe on whatever channel you listen to podcasts. Remember to tell your friends about the show. The guys will be back next week with another episode. And until then, guns up and let the tortillas fly.